Welcome to another episode of the Live to Accomplish podcast with Nathan Shooter. To discover more insightful episodes, blogs, videos, and resources, visit nathanshooter.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Live to Accomplish podcast. My name's Nathan, and as with every episode here in the podcast, over the blog and the videos, they're all centered on the idea of you and I together finding simple ways to create significant outcomes. Because I really believe that overwhelm leads to underachievement. So let's be smart about what we focus on and give it our full attention, and then we're gonna see really significant results. So in this episode, we're going to get pretty honest with ourselves, really, and um, you will be best to go and check out the previous episode first, number 25 with Mustafa Hamwi, and that one was a really good one. That focused on mastering passion and how we can do that. And he's known globally as the passionpreneur, and as a subject expert, he taught us how to create greater clarity around what it means to understand passion and how we can work out a practical way to implement it as well in our homes, in our workplaces, in our social lives as well. So after I recorded this and, and got it out there and I received some great feedback on it, in the quietness of my own time at home, I thought, well, what do we do when we seem to have lost passion? You know, what about those times in between those bursts of passion? How do we make it more sustainable? So I am betting on the fact that you're a bit like me and at some point you're going to feel um, that you have a passion low, you know, you're going to have a slump. And so out of this experience that I had in the middle of last year, 2016, in my passion slump, created a bit of a plan which I want to share with you. So my experience last year, it wasn't like a dramatic burnout or a breakdown experience as such. It was just like a temporary feeling of, well, meh, you know, indifference, I guess. And that's the lack of passion showing its ugly head. And so I know that you probably felt that way similarly sometime in the in the past and maybe you will again so it's helpful to have a plan to know what to do should those times arise and so just want to say straight up there if you've experienced symptoms of something more severe say like burnout or depression i would strongly definitely recommend you go and seek professional healthcare advice first this is very much dealing with passion lows in simple terms so let's dive in and start by defining and conquering so before we form a battle plan to revive our lost passion, that feeling of passion, it serves us well to recap the definition as proposed over in episode number 25 with guest Mustafa Hamwi. And he's an international speaker and a subject expert. So I'd recommend going and catching up on that session so you can really make the most out of this episode. So how did he define it in his book, Mastering Passion? Well, let's check it out. So he says, passion is consistently doing what you love what you're good at and is of value to the world. Because many times we have a lopsided approach to passion. We perhaps don't do it consistently or we do what we love, but we're maybe not great at it or we might be great at it, but it's not a value to the world. So let's break it down, have a bit of a look as um, in the terms of how he defines it, right? So firstly, consistently, what does that mean? So you have to keep doing something day in, day out for it to be consistent. So passion is not just a matter of luck, it's a matter of persistence. Number two, so he defines passion, a part of passion rather as what you love. So you have to be able to do what you do with love and passion. And you know, that's gonna keep you going when you don't feel like keep you on going. So number three, 
is good. So what are you good at? As humans, we all love to see results, right? We all love to see the fruits of our labor. So you'll never feel good about something that you do unless you're actually good at it. So that's important. And then the last component, number four rather, is of value, of value to the world. So if your passion has no purpose to serve people and doesn't provide value to others, then simply put, it's kind of just a hobby really. So now that we've vividly understand what passion is, how do we revive it? You know, we go through these patches of lows and highs and we said that's what makes us human. How do we move on? How do we revive our lost passion? Well, I'm really glad you asked and that's why we're here on this episode. So let's start by creating a simple plan. Before you crank up the volume on a Rocky soundtrack and put wall paint on your face, just pause, slow down, and let's create a plan, a simple plan. So it'd be a wild understatement to say that my ability to overthink things is quite remarkable. I'm pretty good at it, and I'm sure some of you out there are pretty good at overthinking things as well. And that's useful in some areas of life because we are very analytical and we think things through, but it can also be our undoing. And so I've learned how to use my ability to overthink to help me and not just to hurt me. So if you're like me and you overthink, we have a choice, right? So we have a choice either to A, to keep going down the rabbit hole of poor me, I've lost my passion, I don't feel motivated anymore, or we get on the other route, which is a road to greater clarity and, and providing ourselves with a simple fail-proof plan to get our passion back. So I'm gonna give you my secret sauce, my plans that I used in the middle of last year to pull myself up out of the passion slump that I experienced last year. Okay, so number one is to revisit your loves and interests. Not love interests, love and interests. And you might be wondering, what do I mean by putting them separately? Why, what does it mean to keep love different in a different category from interests? Well, we often notice that in life, the things that we love often remain consistent, while the things that we're only interested in are great, but they often change. So what I did is decided to ask myself some questions to try and ascertain the things that I loved and what were the things that I was interested in? So what were the things that were consistent and, you know, in terms of longitudinally, they were always consistently a love thing. And in terms of like the, the peaks and troughs, what were the things that I was interested in that kept on changing? So you can work through this at your own pace as well. If you're driving or you're out walking, I'm going to talk you through these, but you can also go and find them over at nathanshooter.com slash blog slash 26. Okay, so what do we do? Here's your activities. Number one, think back to a time when you were younger. What were some of the tangible and intangible things that you loved? Okay, number two, uh, look at some of the things you were interested in, say more recently over the last few years, and ask yourself, are you still interested in them now? And do you, are you interested in them to the same extent? Often we find there's gonna be clues about how our trends in terms of interest change over time. So write up those responses on a sheet of paper, perhaps uh, an A4 sheet of paper with a column um, for interest and a column for love. And then you're gonna great, really find some good findings there. So number four is, are you actively pursuing the things you love? So we've already said that the things that we love over time don't tend to change a lot, right? So what we can do is forget to go and pursue those. So I would say, hey, think about what are you pursuing? Are you pursuing the things that you love? Number five is, are you focused on areas of interest that are current or are they out of date? Often, often we, we do that without realizing. 
So just by way of example, um, I love and I continue to love uh, the field of branding. I love it. I do brand management. I um, develop new brands for new companies and individuals and personal branding as well. I love that. So over time, there's elements within the area of or the field of branding that I was interested in but I noticed that I'm not interested in them now. So I love the feel of branding, but it was some of the aspects within or the, you know, the subsections within branding that I have changed my interest in. So now that I've thought this through and I've identified it, I've pivoted into areas of greater interest, which in turn has given me a renewed sense of energy about those interests. So just to clarify again, you know, that area of love for my branding work or the branding field remained, you know, it remained consistent, but the areas of interest, which are more nuanced, changed and they moved and I had to make sure that I was pivoting to keep up with that interest. Okay, number two, the second way to revive lost passion is to take opposite action. So this might sound a little bit mysterious, but really it's simpler than you might think. So there are times when we need to trick ourselves into doing what's best for us. If you've got kids, you would know this better than most of us. I don't have kids, but I still need to trick myself into doing things that are good for me, you know, from time to time. So to keep things simple for myself, I've called it taking opposite action. Okay, so what can we do to take opposite action and get our passion back? Well, you'll find them online, but let's run through them now. So number one, maintain a vocabulary log for one day. So think of it as keeping, say, a food diary about your vocabulary. Kind of examine what it is that you're saying, whether it's to yourself or to other people through the course of a 24-hour period. So number two, then look for patterns of both helpful and unhelpful self-talk phrases. So maybe you'll find that there's kind of language that you don't notice unless you analyze it. So maybe you might be self-defeatist in the way you speak, or you might be too much the opposite way. You might be too pumped up in the way you speak that you're creating disappointment because you can't follow through. So then number three on that is to choose the phrases or words that you would like would like to deliberately switch up to create affirmative action. So just by way of example for you, and for myself, I used to say, or I noticed I used to say, oh, you know, I never seem to have time for my hobbies. But when I took opposite action, um, that could be switched to say, I can and I will make time for my hobbies. So you begin to analyze the way you think and the way you speak and then use that as an opportunity to inject more energy into the way you think. Number three is get active. So I know that a lot of us, you know, when we're in, say, an emotional low or an emotional funk, the last thing, and I mean the very last thing that you want to hear from someone is for them to tell you to exercise. You probably just want to go and punch them in the, in the face, to be honest. But, you know, we can't run from great advice all the time. So in my social media feeds, you definitely won't find that I'm a gym junkie. You won't find photo of me, photos of me sipping kale smoothies at like 6 a.m. in some indie cafe on the edge of a beach after having just done a 10-kilometer run that I do daily, you know, <laughs> never. And um, if you think you do see those photos, chances are it's not me. But what you will see me doing is at least staying active. And so whatever that looks like for you, make it your aim to stay active. So when we end up in these passion lows and these funks, often the first thing to go is our activity or our exercise. And so that's not a great move because in previous episodes, uh, I believe it's episode 21, I interviewed fitness expert Andrew Bassett and he's a great friend and he's a gym owner. And he also owns a fitness um, coaching system as well. And I interviewed him about how we can commit to fit, if you like, and how to smash through the top 10 roadblocks that we experience on our journey to becoming fit. 
So go ahead and check that one out. It's a great place for you to start to create a bit of a plan on how you can get active, particularly if you've kind of been a person where you used to be active, but then your passion slump has led you to be a bit more sedentary. So, you know, broadly speaking, exercise is scientifically proven to do, you know, a whole bunch of things like uh, one, it can boost our mood, two, it can improve sleeping patterns, and three, it can increase energy levels. And those are the three things that we really are looking for when we're looking to boost our passion. So how? How do we do this? So the activities that I've written down for this are stuff that I've done myself. So first up, go and hit yourself up with a podcast on the Commit to Fit that I did, episode 21. And then number two, if you need to, this is a bit of an odd one, but just hear me out, is we need to start by forgiving and accepting perhaps that we need to, you know, be okay with the fact that we haven't exercised as much as we could be. And that might sound odd, but it's kind of, I guess, releasing yourself from guilt. And um, I know that I had to do that because like, you know, there's no point me putting a ton of bricks of, of guilt on myself when I could just say, okay, you know, I forgive myself for not being active as I should and I accepted it, but I'm going to move on from that and improve it. Okay. Number three is look for small wins and then go on to set achievable goals. So for me, that might mean exercising lightly for say two or three times a week. For somebody else, it might mean more or less. So find uh, a fit that suits you. And number four on, um, on your activities for this section is consider boosting your motivation by finding a training buddy, a training buddy, you know, somebody who's going to give you a call if you didn't hit the gym or remind you, hey, we've got a park run on Saturday, somebody that you both love and hate at the same time, somebody who's going to keep you accountable to those small wins and to those achievable goals because we're better in community. And I'm going to touch on that later on. So for myself, I just by way of example, I am to blog and um, do the recordings of podcasts after my exercise. So maybe that means a short walk or going to the gym. And as a result, I often find my energy, my motivation are a touch higher than they would be otherwise. Okay, now we're moving on to number four, the number four way to revive our lost passion. And that is to cultivate creativity. So over the last 12 months, I've kind of done a bit of a self campaign to focus on ways to do common things in an uncommon way. So what does this mean? Again, this is not some weird, mysterious things. All it is is kind of me for a chance to look at my lifestyle and think of ways or creative ways to keep routines fresh. So you think about your life now with your family or your friends and colleagues. Sometimes the things that we do without realizing them are what we call our autopilot mode. So could you ask yourself, how can I find a way to do them in a fresh and interesting way? Turn off your autopilot and spend some time looking for different ways you can reach the same destination. So how? How do we do this? So your activities for this section are four, uh, fourfold. Number one, maybe write out an overview of your morning and evening schedules. Have a bit of a think about the things that go into your autopilot modes, like, you know, whether it's your breakfast things or your your way to get to work, the way you get choose what you're going to wear, all those kind of small things, right? So have a think about your morning, evening routine. Number two, then write out your weekly routine, like in broad strokes, your routine for the week and the things that you do on particular days. It's a good way to examine how you end up spending your time. Number three, consider the ways you could refresh the things that you already do on autopilot. So if you have to do these things anyway, why not do these common things in an uncommon way? 
So number four is um, an interesting one as well. It's think about creating new, brand new weekly or monthly traditions that you can do with your family or friends. You know, if you've, you've got to eat, eat with some friends. You know, if, you, if you've got to go for a drive to somewhere, why don't you drive with your family? Or create these more interesting ways to do these common and everyday autopilot tasks. So an example in my life, like the this podcast and the blog was actually almost an accident, really. It was born out of an existing desire to help people, but in a kind of fresh and a new way. So I thought about the things that I was already helping people with and what they were sharing with me. And I quickly began to realize that maybe, just maybe, there's other people around the world experience things, these similar things. So I thought, you know, maybe this is a clue. Maybe this is a new way that I can do a common thing in an uncommon way or, a, you know, a routine everyday thing that I'm already doing, but in a new creative way. So I put together a plan and it kind of, you know, it meant that I had to push past my insecurities and fears to publish my thoughts, you know, both in audio and written form and push past that and hopefully help some people in the process. So the point of that example is to say that I had the same mission, but I use a different method to fulfill that mission. So now we land at number five, the fifth way that we can revive our lost passion. So I would say this is going to be a hard one for some people, but you know, we just need to get around, head around it. And that is number five, discuss your dreams. So for some of us, maybe, maybe you're not like this, maybe it's just me, but sometimes the idea of sharing the dreams and desires we hold in our hearts to close friends can be daunting, you know, it can be a moment of vulnerability. So if you've had to say, for example, in the past, your trust broken with people or friends, you've probably got good motive to keep your heart tightly closed. So if that's you, just let me encourage you straight up by saying, please consider trying again, consider opening your heart to friends and family again. So as individuals, we function better when we have a sense of community and when we participate in that healthy community. So if we become too much the other side, which is too self-reliant or too independent in a bid to protect ourselves and, and you know, keep our hearts safe, we can actually miss out on the support of our friends they want to provide, you know, but oftentimes it's because we don't allow ourselves to be vulnerable or, you know, open enough to ask for their support. Or sometimes we think we may not get it. You know, we may not um, receive the support that we hoped from our friends. And I just want to encourage you as you listen to this to say to yourself, okay, I've experienced maybe some problems with trust with people, but I have to look past that and try again. And maybe just maybe you'll have a good experience this time. So what are the hows? You know, how, what are the activities around, around this one? Well, here's five of them for you. So the first one is to listen to a podcast episode I've recorded earlier, which is um, pretty early days, actually. It's how to review your year. And that has two episodes. And it also includes a free ebook, which I think is going to really help you. So do that one. And number two is ask yourself, honestly, what could I be doing to foster a greater, stronger sense of community among my friends? So my circle of friends, both close and not so close, you know, we love to eat together. We love to do things together on weekends or weeknights or whatever it is. So perhaps food for you is a great place to start. Or maybe it's even going for a small win. Like instead of just going to a movie, why not catch up for a movie coffee, a post-movie coffee and to talk about what you just saw together. So instead of just running to the car park and or leaving, create a moment that fosters community by maybe opening up for discussion about the movie you just saw. Start small. Number three is wisely choose two close friends to book a coffee appointment with, separately, of course. So I say wisely because if you are not sure of your confidence level with going to that person, to be honest with them, 
then it's not going to be a very fruitful conversation. So really be smart, be wise about who you open your life up to uh, because they're going to influence you. Number four, what things am I prepared to share with these friends? So before you get to that coffee appointment, do a bit of a stock take and create boundaries for yourself and think, okay, what am I going to share with this person? And what am I what am I willing to maybe not include in that discussion? So it's, it's good. I think it's smart to have a think about what you are or are not going to include in your coffee conversation. And number five on this is what are some ways that you could reciprocate and show your support for your friends' goals and dreams as well? It'd be a bit of a shame if this discussion was all only focused on you, right? So it'd be great if you could find a way in the conversation to interweave what they want to do and the dreams and aspirations they have, because you can be that friend for them. You can help them with some of the things that they want to achieve in life as well. So make it about you both, not just you. For example, in my life, like because I wanted to discuss the new business aspirations and dreams that I had, I was very careful to choose friends that I've had a long history with, you know, over a long period of time. And also wanted to choose people that possessed business experience because if that's an area of life I wanted to work on, you've got to be you know careful in choosing people who can give advice that comes from a position of strength. So the people I chose, I felt uh, reached that criteria. So in the process as well, in those discussions, we chatted about their desires for business and what they want to do in the future as well. So it works out really well. And the last one, number six, the sixth way to revive our last passion is reduce cognitive overload. And that's a bit of a mouthful and a bit of a headful, really. Like we've discussed earlier about how we can sometimes end up in the trap of being overwhelmed, which leads to underachievement. And we can mistake activity as well for being productive. And you would have often heard me say that. So it's one thing to say it, but then where to from here, right? That, that in itself is an overwhelming thought. So passion can really only be a sustainable thing if we have mental resources that are available to be allocated to it. So if we look again at my experience last year in 2016, just for that short period in the middle of the year, you know, I was really on a passion low. So I wanted to go and hunt and find things that were loading up my mind, that were taking up unnecessary space in my head. So what I chose to do was something very practical, which was try and capture everything I could that I considered to be overwhelming into an app. So I recommend Asana for this is great. I don't receive any affiliate benefits for mentioning this. I just think it's a great tool. So I recommend Asana or a a similar kind of app. And I use it to capture and organize tasks into different categories because then later at my own leisure, I can deal with them in the different silos of separate thinking. So in that period last year, I went on a bit of a mission to, and it'll sound funny, but to do less better. And research that I've found shows that if you have more than three piles of to-do action things on your desk at work can often be the trigger uh, to the beginnings of overwhelm and nobody wants that. So you're probably right now feeling guilty about what's on your desk. And I'm happy to say that I've kept my own rules of having no more than three, but we, you know, we all fail sometimes. Okay. So what are some ways that we can reduce our cognitive overload? Well, here are some of the activities. So number one is to do what we discussed, which is to count how many to do things or to do piles you might have stacked up on your desk. So you're probably sometimes cheating and putting a few things stacked on each other uh, in some of those piles. And that's okay. But the lesson here is to focus on having less on your desk to create more real estate on your desk to think, you know, have that, have that space available quite literally. And number two, write a list of everything that is currently overcrowding your mind. 
So we often have times that we can think where we don't necessarily have to be productive, say on a train um, on the way to work, or we're waiting for you know our scripts at a pharmacy, or whatever it might be, waiting for a friend to come to a meeting. So how about you write a list of everything that's currently weighing on your mind? You might be pretty shocked at what you might find. So let's do something with that now in point number three, which is to write your initials next to the items that require you and only you to take action on. So they're the kind of things that definitely 100% rely on you. Then number four, draw a star next to some of the items that you could delegate, say to somebody else, whether it's, uh, if it's a family thing, right? Maybe to your, to your spouse or to the kids or some relatives, just to alleviate some of the pressure or maybe over work, right? Let's look at the work context there. Maybe you are a manager and you can find uh, an opportunity to um, get someone to do this job and make that a teaching experience as well. So you can make it beneficial for them and for you as well. Okay, the next one is then to start developing a system to delegate these tasks. So maybe in your business or maybe at your workplace, there isn't already a way to delegate tasks. Maybe there isn't, you know, a workflow system like Slack, for example, with a, which is about team communication and resource allocation. So maybe you could talk to your boss or maybe you are the boss and you need to kick yourself in the pants for not having a good system. Try starting one. And number six, have a think and do some research about which software or mobile apps you could be using to help capture all of these tasks and how you can manage them. As I said, I recommend Asana and um, I hope you will love it too if you get an opportunity to use it. How, by way of example, have I applied that to my life? Well, and I know a lot of you are going to be pretty similar in experiencing this as well. Oftentimes for me, the rush of anxiety promoting tasks come as I'm drifting off to sleep at night. So that can have a lot to do with the fact that it's darker and we're not seeing visually a lot of things. And so that means our mind kicks into over, overdrive and starts to exaggerate things that we might be thinking because, you know, there's less visual stimuli. You know, we're thinking about things in a greater heightened way. And so, you know, this really got to me. And so many years ago, I started to combat this by um, capturing these thoughts, right? These anxiety promoting thoughts into an app. So initially it was just like a um, hard copy paper list, but these days I've using, I'm using Asana as I mentioned earlier. So I use it to capture and really note down all of the issues that are causing me, I guess, mild anxiety in that moment. And then the next day or the next coming days, I'm able to deal with it. And I may not have put it into categories, but at least it's been captured, it's there. So for, for my brain, this is how it works anyway. So if I can capture that thought and get it out, externalize it onto a piece of paper or into an app, I kind of close off that file in my brain. And that allows me to fall asleep much faster compared to the nights where I don't do it. So I know that many of you probably experienced something similar and I'd be keen to hear on what system you use. Maybe you do something different, but you get the same kind of outcome. Maybe leave a comment on one of the social media feeds as well and let me know what's, work for, what's working for you. All right, so now let's do a bit of a recap. So we're now armed with a plan. So you're well on your way to storming the gates on your mission to retrieving your lost passion. So to recap, let's check out what we've discussed. Firstly, it's okay. So firstly, we've said, we need to accept that we're in a passion low and that we're in a rut, but we're also said that just because we're accepting that doesn't mean we're accepting this as a final resting place. 
And that's cool because that allows us to exhale and be okay in having a, a down moment. Because we're human. And we said that the beauty of, of being human is to have ebbs and flows and have, you know, we're fallible, but we're also fully able. So just remind yourself of that and be encouraged in that. So to recap, we said that number one, we need to revisit love, loves and interests. Number two, to take opposite action. Number three, we're going to get active or get active again. Uh, four, cultivate creativity. Find ways to do common things in an uncommon way. It's a bit of fun. Number five, discuss and share your dreams with somebody. And we also said we're going to get past trust issues if that's what we we're at. And um, the last one was reduce cognitive overload, which I appreciate is easier said than done. But at least if we can make a start, you'll be already ahead. So perhaps you are going through all these things yourself and you know of then somebody who comes to mind who's experiencing a passion low as well. Why not encourage them and share this podcast and the article with them and really, I guess, be a good friend and help them out as well. Once again, I want to remind you as well that if you know, the reality of your situation is more severe and that you're experiencing symptoms of burnout or depression, I really do strongly recommend you go and see a healthcare professional so you can get back on your feet. Hey, thanks for hanging out with me on this episode of Love Your Company. And it's really obvious to me that you've stuck around. You're obviously a person who is serious about improving every area of your life. So I want to reward you by, like I mentioned earlier, giving you a free ebook, which includes some of the questions and activities we've discussed in this episode. So you can go and find that at nathanshooter.com slash blog slash 26. And it's all right there for you. So have an amazing week and um, find simple ways that you can create significant outcomes in every area of your life. Catch you next time. Thanks for joining us today. To connect with Nathan, simply visit facebook.com forward slash Nathan Shooter blog or Twitter and Instagram using at Nathan Shooter. We also invite you to comment, ask questions and subscribe to the email editions at nathanshooter.com.